Welcome to episode number 51 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Dwork, here with you once again. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to really record a quick podcast here. Uh, we're, we're zeroing in on the playoffs. We're, I mean, this is definitely the home stretch. Uh, as I record this on Thursday, the Panthers have nine games left on their schedule. They are uh, kind of cruising at this point to a division title, uh, zeroing in on a conference top seed as well. And uh, a lot of positives, uh, a couple of question marks. Overall, uh, it's just a good time right now as the Panthers are uh, gearing up for what they hope is a nice long playoff run. So, so I really just wanted to jump on the pod uh, and, and touch on a few things that are going on right now, a couple things that are relevant as the Panthers are entering this home stretch and, uh, and really get ready uh, for the postseason. First and foremost uh, that I want to get to on the pod today is uh, Jonathan Huberdo. He is, uh, how do you say, the Hart Trophy candidate. He's playing amazing, like better than ever before in his career. And that will be the end of my French accent for the time being. Um, but s- seriously, Jonathan Huberdo uh, just continues to be on another level. Uh, last week, he was the NHL's third star of the week. Uh, seven points in three games, helped the Panthers go 3-0. and he had five points in that ridiculous comeback game against Toronto, including the overtime winner. Uh, what else did he do last week? He became the first Panther ever to record 100 points. Uh, he may already be up to like 110 or something at this point. Uh, let's see here. Jonathan Huberto with the points race as of today is up to 105 points. Uh, three points back at Connor McDavid. This is heading into play on Thursday. But, I mean, either way, uh, just completely ridiculousness from uh, Jonathan Huberto in that regard. Um, he leads the league in assists. Like It's not even close at this point. He's got 77 assists. Uh, Roman Yossi is behind him, 9 behind him with 68. Uh, it's just, it, you know, it's video game stuff for Jonathan Huberto. And, again, for a guy uh, in Huberto that is still just uh, – 28 years old, you know, just entering the prime years of his career. Um, pretty remarkable what we're seeing from him. Uh, over his last 12 games, I was looking at just kind of the way that it, you know, his game log, everything uh, has phased out this season. Over his last 12 games, so since March 18th, um, in that time, he has 21 points, okay? Nine goals, 12 assists, a point in every game. He's at a 12-game point streak. It's also somewhat relevant. A plus 10 rating during that time. 42 shots on goal. So that's about you know, a little bit less than four a game. So nothing great. I mean, he did have a career-high 10 shots on goal in Florida's last game um, the other night as well. Just unreal. Jonathan Huberto this season. Just really remarkably amazing. Um, and yeah, obviously with all of this spectacular play, he's keeping himself squarely in the Hart Trophy conversation. I mean, obviously Austin Matthews is probably the favorite at this point. The Oilers guys are in the mix. You know, Mick Dreisaitl, those two. Uh, Personally, I think Igor Shesterkin deserves to be in the conversation as well because I think the Rangers, as good of a year as they're having, a lot of it has to do with the ridiculous play of Igor Shesterkin, um, who very well could win the Vezina Trophy. Um, But yeah. So just overall, just really wanted to touch on for a moment um, the awesome season that Mr. Huberto is having. And kind of in that in that light, talking about Huberto and, 
and the trophies and all that good stuff. I, I did kind of want to touch on another potential trophy uh, candidate with the Panthers this season, and that's the head coach. Andrew Burnett, interim Panthers head coach, should absolutely be in the conversation for the Jack Adams trophy, which goes to the top uh, head coach every season. Uh, since he took over the Panthers, so they were 7-0, and right? Since then, they've gone 45 15 and 6. So 30 games over 500 in the 66 games that they've played under Bruno. Uh, one of the one term that you hear when talking about Andrew Burnett and the season he's had and taking over after it had already started, seamless transition is very common phrase in this in this topic of Bruno. Um, just because the Panthers were humming along early on, they were one of the best teams, and they really didn't skip a beat uh, once he did take over. And I mean, that was a pretty uh, big shakeup at the time with the whole thing that happened with the Kyle Beach scandal, with Joel Quenville, uh, all of that happened kind of blowing up, you know, in the first few weeks of the season. Um, and here are the Panthers hoping to have, well, at the time, you know, hoping to have maybe their best season ever with the best roster ever, all of this... Uh, potential greatness with the Panthers. And then this happens and it, you know, very easily could have derailed things, could have thrown a wrench into the entire works. Um, But no, not at all. The Panthers have kept moseying along is the wagon that they are uh, just going downhill, building up momentum and heading towards the playoffs. And uh, Andrew Burnett has been a huge part of that. He, even with the new, you know, obviously the greater responsibilities that come with being a head coach, he's remained very hands-on. He's still running the power play. Uh, he's got great relationships with his players, uh, you know, being a former player himself, not that far removed from his playing career, being with this group in his for three years now. Um, you know, he's he's really built some great relationships in that locker room. They respect him. Um, he's also a good communicator, which I think is key. Uh, you got to be able uh, to not just talk to players and not just coach them, but you want to be able to communicate with them. You want to get to their level and it all kind of ties into, you know, him being a down to earth guy, being a former player, all that. It all works in uh, and hand in hand earlier today. Uh, as I said, this is Thursday that I'm recording this. Uh, the Panthers had a practice at, uh, the ice then, and, uh, we were chatting with Carter Verhage after practice about, uh, about Andrew Brunette and the job he's done this year. And then I just, asked, I said, well, you know, being what a good job is, yeah. Do you think he should be in, in the uh, Jack Adams conversation? And, uh, here was his answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, the best, one of the best teams in the league, I don't know that the standings are up there. So, I mean, and we've been successful all year. I mean, he gets, he gets the guys motivated. We play the same kind of system that we did. It was like such a smooth transition. Everything's been great. So, yeah. So obviously uh, should be in the chat. You think back to last year with Bill Zito, you're like, yeah, he should be in the conversation for GM of the year. He should have won GM of the year last year. You hope he'll get the respect this year, but that's another conversation for another time. But you know, with Andrew Brunette, he certainly has earned himself a spot at that table. Um, You would think, Todd McClellan and the job he's done in Los Angeles this year. Daryl Sutter and Calgary is another guy that comes to mind. Gerard Gallant in uh, the Rangers this season. Uh, you know, all of these guys you would think would be in the conversation as well. Um, you know, Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, perhaps. Um, but Andrew Burnett should 100% be a candidate for the Jack Adams Trophy this year. You'd love to see him get it as good as the Panthers have been under him. Um, and we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Now, uh, being the head coach, he's going to have uh, a decision to make. But, you know, essentially, when the playoffs get here, a big decision in terms of goaltender. 
Who's he going to start in goal? Now, he's been asked about this more recently as the playoffs are getting closer. And uh, the other day, uh, I think it was David Wilson of the Miami Herald asked him point blank about a playoff starting goaltender. And he said, Bob's the guy. Until further notice, Bob is the guy. Um, So, you know, looking at the two goaltenders this year, um, obviously Bob has been uh, incredibly consistently inconsistent, for lack of a better term. Um, He was pretty solid in March. He, you know, he was 7 0 in March with the 2.1 goals against and the 924 save percentage. Probably his best month as a Panther. Perhaps it's safe to say, just you know, in terms of stability, consistency, um, and then his first two games in in April, he was you know got pulled in both of them, gave up ten goals total, six goals at New Jersey, uh, and that comeback win, uh, the Panthers' comeback win in Jersey. Then the following game, their their comeback win against Toronto, he gave up four goals in that one before getting pulled for Spencer Knight. It's uh, you know it's been a mixed bag for Bob. He has come back. He's won his last two starts, um, and again, I think. You know, when when looking at when taking a step back and looking at the stats and looking at the the record, I mean, obviously his record is remarkable. He's thirty five six and three um, on the season, a two point seven goals against and a nine eleven save percentage. Respectable numbers. The record is spectacular, but the record kind of masks some of the you know the inconsistencies in his play. And and I I think the frustrating thing when it comes to Sergey Bobrovsky is he'll make big spectacular saves. He'll make sprawling saves. Sliding across the ice, he's he's great with his pads. Uh, he's great flexibility, very much with his hips. Uh, does the splits, you know, all the all that stuff that you would expect from a goaltender. It's just the, the cheapies, the ones that leak through. You know, he'll he'll have a guy squared up and waiting, and, and it'll squeeze through his arm and his body. Uh, it'll go under his pad. It's just the, the ones that you would think would be the easier ones to stop that get through are the, is where the frustration comes in. Um, but look, I, I mean, Bruno said it, you know, for better or worse, Bob's who they're going with when the playoffs start. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. I've been pretty adamant when talking about this that the Panthers, whoever they go with, needs to be the guy. You can't have this flippy floppy, wishy-washy stuff that you saw last year when he started three different goalies in a six-game span. Uh, you know, we need to have whoever the guy is, it needs to be the guy. The last thing that you want anybody, not the last thing, but you don't need to give anybody, whether it's the coaching staff, the players, they don't need to be thinking, well, who's going to play goalie this game? What what if this? What? No, no, no. Let the goalie be for sure. Bob's the guy. Move on. Fine. It is what it is. I mean, in my opinion, Spencer Knight has been more consistent, uh, particularly since he came back from Charlotte um, at, what was it, the middle of March or whenever it was. Um, but I mean, look, Spencer Knight's splits, if you're looking at him, you know, as the season has gone on, you know, he was average at the end of uh, 2011 in December. He was, you know, not decent, not great uh, into January and February, you know, a couple bad starts mixed in with a couple decent starts. And then he got all that playing time when he went down to AHL Charlotte. And since coming back, I think Knight has been really uh, much more consistent, much more solid. Um, this month, he's been great, you know, coming on in relief and Bob in a few games. Um, what is it? Uh, just looking in April, he's 4-0 with a 1.99 goals against and a 9.26 save percentage. Um, in March, 2.28 goals against, 9.19 save percentage. Uh, it, you know that that that's kind of where I look if I'm looking at stats for a goaltender. It's the save percentage uh, is a big part of it. But um, just talking about what I 
what I just mentioned with Bob and the frustrations, the inconsistencies, that's where Knight, I think, has been stronger. He doesn't give up the cheap goals the way, you know, like Bob does, obviously, not even close. Um, Knight maybe isn't going to make the spectacular saves that you see from Bob. Bob may be the goalie who would, quote unquote, steal you a game when if he's on his A game. But Spencer Knight, I think, is more stable, reliable in terms of uh, a guy that you can expect to give up maybe two or three goals and call it a day uh, for a big playoff game. Whereas Bob, you just you just never know. Um, so perhaps there's no controversy as Bruno, you know, as I said, he's, he's, he was pretty clear who that Bob's the guy. Um, yeah, but we'll see what happens. I, uh, I'm curious, you know, in the last nine games, there's two more back-to-backs. You would think of the last nine, maybe Spencer Knight gets in three of them because they definitely like to roll with Bob. They like to keep him sharp. Bob wants to play. He's said as much all the time. Anytime you ask him, he wants to be out there every chance he gets. So, you know, we'll see. At least, you know, worst case, or not worst case, but I mean, you know, if you, whichever goalie starts, if Bob ends up as the starter, at least you have this more than capable backup in Spencer Knight. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. As I, my first point, you want to roll with one guy. So we'll see how it rolls, how it, uh, how it plays out. But um, if the Panthers continue to score and continue to have the offense that they've had all year, it won't really be as big of an issue, right? So, you know, that's that's the other thing. Um, I, I did want to shift focus here on the pod uh, and throw a little appreciation towards a player who we all know and love. And uh, I, I think we're going to grow to love him even more as the years go by because he's so young. And that is Anton Lundell, the rookie. Uh, he finally came back after being out for a while uh, between an injury, between an illness. He had the flu, I think it was. Uh, they, I don't think they ever actually said flu per se, but it wasn't COVID. Whatever it was. He was sick. He was unable to play. The team was on the road at the time, so he didn't really get to spend that much time with them. Um, they were out west. They were in Canada. But he's finally back in the lineup. And, and after having him out for a few weeks, man, the appreciation for what this kid is doing. Um, he's just so good on both ends of the ice. I mean, his offensive skills are clear, but it's his 200 foot game. It's breaking up passes in the defensive zone. It's back checking. It's knowing how to break up a play. It's knowing how to take a man off the puck. Like it's the man's game that he plays at just 20 years old. It just blows my mind. And you can see the confidence growing on a game to game basis. Uh, which is why like being out for, you know, all that time for a player as young as he is, like you want to see him. Uh, build that momentum, which is why it's so great that he's able to come back now and play in these games ahead of the playoffs where he can hopefully kind of hit the ground running uh, and really be the difference maker that he has been. Um, he's always looking to get the puck on on net, which I like. He's not just uh, as great of a hockey IQ he has off the charts, a great playmaker. Uh, he's not like a pass first guy, I wouldn't say. Uh, he does put the puck on the net, which you really like to see. Um one thing with Anton Lindell that I think we've been able to say from day one uh, this season is that the game never really seems too big or too fast for him. And, you know, it helps that he's played, uh, you know, he played in, in Liga with, you know, grown men. And he, you know, he played some pretty significant time in the World Juniors and all that. And that but, you know, it's not like he's the only guy that's been able to say that, uh, that's started in the NHL over the years. Um, but I'm sure it helped. It's just remarkable. And, uh, you know, for a kid who, you know, 
not not a top first round pick. You know, he was taken in the teens, or what was he, twelfth, whatever he was. Um, it's just remarkable what he's been able to accomplish uh, in in a short amount of time, and I'm just excited to see you know what he can do when the playoffs get here. That line that he's been on, centering uh, Mason Marchment and Sam Reinhart. Uh, you know, last year, the last few years, it was all about the Tampa Lightning and, and their amazing third line. I, I think the Panthers have this pretty un, un like remarkable, unmistakable, ridiculous third line. Best in the NHL, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue when you've got like Sam Reinhardt, who's been, you know, a, a top contributor overall this year. You got Anton Lindell, you know, would be in the rookie of the year conversation had he not missed that time over the last couple of months. And you've got Mason Marchman, who's been a nearly point per game player since he's been back in the lineup. Um, just remarkable what they've done. And so, yeah, I just wanted to take a minute and uh, bestow a little appreciation and love to Anton Lindell now that he's back in the lineup and looking so good uh, as that third line center. Like this, man. And he's still just 20 years old. The Panthers are going to have this guy for years and years to come. It's so exciting to think about what he could be. Just to think about how good he is now. It's so young. When he's still going to grow, he's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. He's going to learn from some of the best. Sasha Barkov. So, yeah. Um, Another player who I wanted to kind of shine the the spotlight on a little bit uh, that I think has kind of turned a corner uh, over the last few weeks is uh, Gus Forsling. Uh, I think uh, when he got paired back up with Mackenzie Weeder a couple weeks ago, uh, I think that may have been a spark uh, and may, you know, maybe a little, little bit of an extra fire to have that freedom. Uh, I mean, look, we know that Gus Forsling is um, on another planet with how good of a skater he is. He is ridiculously good at skating. Um, I think maybe he's picked things up, uh, whether it's, you know, feeling he could do a little bit more, being a little bit more responsible with, with Ekblad being out and being put on that top pairing with Uyghur for, you know, a handful of games, whatever it was. Um, I, I think that it may be uh, something clicked uh, and now he is playing even with even more confidence. And it's great to see. Um, the aggression, the confidence. When, when you have a guy like us, Forsling, who's clearly got the ability, um, and we're seeing the fruits of that right now. Now, with the defensive pairings overall, um, they have been fluid. Uh, we've seen changes since Ekblad has been out and since uh, Ben Sherratt and Robert Hag were added at the trade deadline. Uh, we've seen Mackenzie Weeder move between Sherratt and Forsling, um, which, you know, with Weeds, he's going to be he's gonna be playing all those minutes anyway. Um, it's interesting to see who he's a little bit more comfortable with, but it's good to see Weeder getting time where he can play on the right side. Uh, with, with Ekblad not there, uh, it makes sense to let Weeder just play his natural right side. And he, look, I, for as good as he is, regardless of which side he plays on, um, I think it's just a little bit more beneficial. Just the little things, getting the puck to the net, uh, being able to play on, on your more comfortable, strong side, it, it helps with one times. Um, so, you know, it, it's good that he's getting he's getting a look there. Forsling, you know, for his part, he's now seen time with uh, Radko Gudis, obviously, for most of the season, he's played with Mackenzie Weeger, uh and within the last couple of weeks, and now we're seeing him pa- paired up with Brandon Montour this week. Uh, Robert Haig, who he had been mostly with Brandon Montour, has now been getting a look with Radko Gudis. Um, so again, the fluidity. Um, would like to see, like, when Ekblad comes back, is he going to go back with Weeder? Maybe, maybe not. I wouldn't mind seeing Ekblad paired up with Ben Schrott and letting Weeder and Forsling, perhaps, when the playoffs start. You know, uh, but one thing that I 
this all made me think about with all the different pairings, moving guys around so much. It also, it, it you know, obviously it comes across as deliberate, right? Because uh, aside from Ekblad, there hasn't really been any injuries. Um, so I did ask Andrew Brunette uh, after today's practice, kind of weighing the importance. I asked him about weighing the importance of comfort and chemistry among the defensive pairings and keeping them together with getting guys familiar with each other, uh, with each t- potential defensive partner as the playoffs get closer. And uh, here was his answer. I think we, we look at it both ways, but I, I think probably there'll be some moving parts in the playoffs. Um, we're doing it for multiple reasons. One, that. Two, we're obviously tr- trying to manage some minutes and trying to get guys playing it in different roles and playing a little bit more just to get their game going. Um, so there's multiple things. We know when playoff time, anything can happen any given day. There could be injuries. And so we want to make sure we're prepared in all the different assets, the aspects of that, and that they're comfortable with whoever they play with. So yeah, ultimately, you know, we'll see how things shake out when the playoffs arrive, but it's good to have the flexibility and to get everybody that exposure with one another. And uh, it makes perfect sense uh, what Bruno and the uh, and the coaching staff is doing. And, and look, the Panthers have a luxury that they're able to kind of do these kind of things right now. And that's going to bring me to uh, the last thing I want to get to on today's pod. And that's the standings. Where the Panthers have placed themselves in the standings right now, they have the luxury. They can, you know, start whichever goalie they want to start. Uh, they can rotate the defensemen in because, you know, I didn't even mention uh, Lucas Carlson or Pateri Lindbaum, who have basically become the de facto extras uh, of late. And, uh, you know, you, you want them to get in there as well. So the Panthers have this opportunity. They can rotate those guys in. They can rotate in like the Maxine Mammons, the Joe Thorntons. Uh, you know, Noah Chari's going to be coming back from his injury soon. So looking at the division first off. And again, like I mentioned a couple times, you know, this is Thursday. I'm recording this. So entering games Thursday, I know Tampa... Toronto, Carolina, uh, Boston, Washington. Everybody plays on Thursday except for the Panthers, basically. Um, they've got a 10-point lead in the division right now on Toronto. Uh, and they've they've all played the same amount of games. They all have nine games to go. The Panthers, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, the Cat, uh, excuse me, the, the Bruins. Um, and the Panthers have a 10-point lead in the division with nine games to go. Like, pfft. It's pretty pretty amazing how they've pulled away over the last few weeks. Uh, they have a 14-point lead on Tampa Bay, by the way, um, which is pretty awesome in and of itself right there. Uh, and then Boston is one point back in Tampa. So a 15-point lead on the Bruins uh, for the for the Atlantic division. Uh, it seems like the Panthers, you know, the way they've been playing and looking at their schedule, uh, you, you don't obviously want to count your chickens before they hatch, and I get all that. They are certainly trending in the direction to claim uh, their third division title in team history. They've won the Atlantic Division once. They won the uh, now non-existent Southeast Division once. And uh, it'll be nice to get, uh, hopefully, another banner hanging up top at the uh, FLA Live Arena. Um, But perhaps, speaking of banners, the entire Eastern Conference? Conference, maybe? I I mean, I guess you're not going to get a banner for finishing first in the East. You're going to get a banner for winning the East in the playoffs. So getting a bit, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But in terms of finishing with the top seed in the Eastern conference, uh, and getting home ice throughout, um, right now the Panthers have a game in hand on Carolina and they've also got six points in hand on Carolina. Uh, Carolina does also, as I mentioned, all these other teams play Thursday night. So it'll change a little bit, but, uh, I think the point here is, Wow. Like the, the the Panthers were, you know, they were among the best teams in the Eastern Conference all season. Uh they, you know, they've been right there 
they have they've been incredibly consistent. They haven't really fallen off at all. But the way they've been able to pull away over the last few weeks, and this is all after losing their best defenseman. This is after the All-Star break. This is after the trade deadline. This is when team, yeah, I mean, Toronto has been able to turn it up a little bit. Tampa has certainly struggled of late. Uh, yeah, it's just pretty remarkable. I I will say I did not see it coming. I, I thought that it was going to be a tighter race. And, it, it you know, it does say about teams falling off, but the Panthers have not. They've been so consistent in terms of wins and losses this season. I mean, just looking at their record, you know, they're 52-15-6. They've got 110 points, you know, setting franchise records for wins, for points, for home wins, 31-6 and six on home ice. It's just ridiculous. They, their, uh, their goal differential may very well end up being in triple digits by the time the season ends up. Right now they're plus 89. Um, just truly remarkable what they've done this year as they head down the home stretch. And we'll see how it all shakes out once the regular season is over. But, um, yeah, just incredibly appreciative as a longtime follower of this team, what they've done this year. And, uh, you know, as I've said, you know, on past pods, they are built sustainable. This should not be a flash in the pan. Uh, Obviously, you don't know if they're going to win 50 games every year, but they should absolutely be a playoff team for the foreseeable future. They should be a contender for the foreseeable future. Um, And this is hopefully just the beginning of, I mean, they have the components of being a potential D word. Okay. That's what the, this is what we'll end it on today. They have the ingredients, the Barkov, Huberdo, Ekblad. They've got Reinhardt, Bennett. They've got Duclair, Verhage, Forsling, Spencer Knight, Anton Lindell. Could go keep going. I could open the roster and just go through it. But there's a lot of guys that are here that are good that are signed for the next several years. They have the ingredients, the components to be a dynasty. Yeah, go win one first. I hear you screaming at me. Go win one. Win a playoff round first. I get it. I get it. I'm not crowning them at all. I'm just saying when you're looking at the big picture, when you're looking at the potential that this team has. It they there how many teams in the league can you say even have the potential to to walk that kind of path? Just appreciate that they're in that conversation that they could be a team that does that. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. Appreciate what Dale Talon did with drafting these guys, appreciate what Bill Zito has done in nurturing this roster and adding all these amazing pieces to that, to those foundational guys that were here. And they're built, man. They are built to last. And they are a possible D word. I don't want to keep saying it because it just sounds weird. But you can't deny that they don't have it. They don't have everything in place Obviously, you need the X factor. You got to win. You got to win a championship. Then you got to go back and you got to be consistent. It's a hard, hard thing to do. But they, yeah. They don't have to add anything to get there is basically, I guess, the point, right? 
what more do they need to add to, to, to get there? So, yeah. We'll see. Stay tuned. All right. That'll do it. I'm going to wrap this up. Episode 51 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. It's been fun, right? We, we got the playoffs to look forward to. Now, uh, thank you guys again for listening. Please remember, if you're a fan of my work, which I hope you are because you sat through this whole podcast, uh, you can find all my written Panthers stuff on Local10.com or the Local10 app as well. Uh, I hope, if you don't already, that you, that you can follow me on Twitter, at David Dwork, for all of my daily coverage of the Panthers. I'm at practices, I'm at games, at morning skates, posting videos, a lot of fun stuff on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, if you don't already, please give me a follow there. And uh, and as well with this podcast, uh, please uh, smash that subscribe button, leave a good rating, a comment, all that good stuff. It is very much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, so that's really it. Until next time, uh, I'm David Dwork. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Please take care of yourselves, stay safe, be kind, and as always, stay cool.